When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Santana into the windup. The payoff pitch on the way. Swung out and missed. Strike three. He's done it. Johan Santana has pitched a no-hitter. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Bum, 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 bum. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. All right, good morning. Wake up. It's 4 of 8. Get out of bed. It's probably a little early, but I don't care. Get up. I don't know what you're doing. Wake up, and if you're out there on the roads, be safe. It looks like it's starting to snow out here. I can't really tell. I know it is snowing by my house. You know, up in Orange County, so I expected that. So I'm looking forward to the ride home, but be safe out there. Wake up. Let's go. There's a lot to discuss. The Knicks lose a heartbreaker, 105-103, in one of the worst game-ending calls you'll ever see as Jalen Brunson gets called for an absolute joke of a foul on the last second, you know, miracle heave off a block shot from Holiday of the uh, of the Houston Rockets, who throws up pretty much a one-handed leaning right prayer, and Brunson barely, you know, makes some contact with him. It looks like, obviously, uh, you know, um, Holiday put up his leg and laid, made the contact. Made, uh, Major League Baseball. NBA has already come out, and referee has already come out and said after looking at it in replay, it shouldn't have been called a foul. Great, that does nothing for me. It ends a game that the Knicks are in the middle of, and this is what pisses me off the most. The Knicks are fighting for their lives right now. They are completely depleted. Who knows? I don't know if he's going to be, you know, reevaluated and I guess getting close to two weeks now. It was three weeks when the injury or the surgery first happened. But, you know, he's probably close to a month away. God knows when Randall's coming back. He's probably a month and a half, two months away. Hartenstein now, obviously with Mitchell Robinson out, and God knows when he's coming back. But Hartenstein, who stepped in more than admirably and has done an incredible job, he's dealing with an Achilles injury. And the Knicks are fighting desperately to stay within that 2-3-4 seed in the Eastern Conference with everybody missing. And Jalen Brunson, their superstar, their all-star, their best player, who is dragging them you know, into, through these games as they battled back. They're down as much as 16 in this game. They battle back in the third quarter. They tie the game at 69. Then they go back, and, and Houston makes a run. They fall nine back again. Finally, uh, you know, they, they come back and tie the game from you know some baskets from uh, Bogdanovich, who has really, you know, kind of struggled him and Burks both. It has not been the same kind of instant, you know, gratification that we got from the Ananobi trade. It's been a little bit of a work in progress, which is kind of ex- expected. You know, they're coming from a Detroit Pistons team where they were heavily relied upon, and now they're trying to figure out how to be a bench team and fit inside the Knicks. It typically takes time. That's what made the OG trade so amazing was, I mean, you put them on the court, the Knicks were a far better team. It was almost an instant uh, instant gratification thing that, you know, was it took us all by surprise what it instantly turned them to. But now you're missing him, you're missing Randall, and they're fighting, trying to win a game after being down 16. They battle back. Guys like Achua step up, has 17 rebounds in this game. Hart doing what he does, has 11 rebounds in this game. Three for five from three-point land, 17 points. 
DiVincenzo leaves the game with a hamstring injury, unfortunately, to add in, uh, insult to injury. Uh, early on in the game, he's three for his first three, then he kind of goes cold and goes uh, finishes the game 5 for 14 from three-point land. But you know how much they've relied on him to be that secondary scorer. But Brunson's their superstar. And if you watch this game, they are calling this game extremely liberal. They are calling it extremely loose. They are allowing some contact. They are allowing, you know, Brunson to go to the lane and get and get hammered. You know, and ultimately, like, they call it like that the entire game and then some ticky-tack foul at the end of the game that decides the game. They blew a whistle on a call. They already admitting out. They admitted half hour after the game ended shouldn't have been a foul. If it's that close, you cannot blow the whistle on a game that's, that pretty much puts the puts Holiday at the line for three free throws and ends the game with .3 seconds. You cannot make that call. It's atrocious. And if you look at just the overall way the game was officiated in general, the Rockets are one of the top three teams in the NBA at, 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 at getting fouls, and the Knicks are top three and not getting fouls, and yet the disparity is 33-12 to 12 in favor of Houston. And if you watch the game, there's one in particular that's making the rounds. It's an absolute charge against Brunson. Brunson's called for the block. And if you watch the game and you watch Brunson play, uh, in, in this game moving forward, you know, previous games, we've had a discussion now whether or not Brunson is legitimately a great player. Right is 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 Brunson an all is Brunson a star? Can you build a championship team around Brunson? Can Brunson be the one? Can Brunson be the two? Can Brunson be your star on a championship level team like he is now? And what does that mean for the Knicks? We've had that discussion forever. Well, watching the games and certainly last night in Houston, you get the feel the referees certainly don't think so because man oh man he gets banged around the rim he does not get calls he gets run into the. Uh, the, the the rocket dips his shoulder and absolutely runs through him, and that's called a block. And then this call late in the game, after at halftime, DiVincenzo, very similar play, initially called a foul. They look at it. They reverse it and call it an offensive foul. And then at the end of the game, with .3 seconds left, off a good and, – and then obviously Brunson hits the game-tying shot. He scores 23 uh, – excuse me. He scores 27 points in this game. Drags them back into it with eight seconds left, hits a fadeaway jumper to tie the game at 103. And then, after a great defensive possession where they have a, you know, they force a drive, a Chua, you know, blocks the ball away, it rolls, it rolls to Holiday's feet. He picks it up and throws up a Hail Mary. And because there's slight contact that had nothing to do with stopping the shot, the contact was made after the ball was released, and yet they call the foul and give three foul shots and cost the Knicks the game. And it was just a devastating call. It's absolutely atrocious. And really moving forward, as this team is now going to battle through a tough stretch, and man, the All-Star break can't come soon enough. They have one more game against Orlando before they hit the break, and then they come out of the break I believe against uh, you know Philadelphia and Boston. Now this is not going to be an easy stretch, and Brunson is going to have to lead this team through it. And when they were down sixteen, that's what I was talking. In my mind, I'm driving. You know, I'm driving in. They're down sixteen points, and I'm thinking to myself, "Well, listen, if Brunson wants to be this great player, if Brunson wants to be the toast of the town." If Brunson's going to have the afternoon drive show on the greatest station in the history of mankind, call him the king of the city over Aaron Judge. 
then this is where he has to find a way to battle through and win games against the Houston Rockets on the road without Ananobi and without Randall. If that's who he's going to be, if that's who we expect him to be, on with Jay Leno, uh, John, with uh, Jay Leno, with Jimmy Fallon, on the Tonight Show. If that's the kind of guy he's going to be, then he needs to figure out a way to battle back and get this team a victory. And that's exactly what he did. He battled back. They came from 16 down. They came from 9 down. He hits the game-winning shot. And they took it away from him, the, to the opportunity to play overtime. It's a, it's, it was an absolute devastating call. It's horrendous. It's already been acknowledged that it was wrong, but it doesn't help the Knicks at all. And they dropped their third straight game, the most they, the longest losing streak they've had this year. And, you know, they're, they're in the middle of battling their asses off to stay afloat here as they are just, just besieged with injuries. Thankfully, they built themselves a cushion being the hottest team in basketball over the month of January. And right now, despite the three losses in a row, they are 33-21. and 21. They are still the four seed, but moving forward, the question is, you know, how is, you know, and I understand that, you know, it's a, it's a night-to-night thing. And nor, I do not think it's any sort of, you know, malicious or, you know, nefarious effort by the referees. I don't think it's a conspiracy because they don't want the they don't want the Knicks to you know make the playoffs or they had something up or whatever the case may be. I, I don't the gambling aspect to it. I don't think anything nefarious happened. I think a referee made a horrendous call you can't make. But ultimately, if we're going to talk about Brunson being an All Star and being a superstar and and he, you know you watch this game, he did not get superstar calls. He just didn't. Didn't he didn't he didn't get foul calls? He got foul calls against him. I mean, that is a I, I cannot believe they made that call. I cannot believe that call was made on a on a Hail Mary heave seven feet behind the line. One handed leaning, you know, leaning right. I mean, I just you can't give the I mean, and you can't tell me the NBA is pleased with it. You can't tell me that's the spirit of the the they, they are furious right now. An atrocious call. Atrocious. 877-337-6666. So that's the next story. As they are battling for their lives. As they are trying to stay afloat with all these injuries. As Thibodeau and Brunson take the reins of this team and try and figure out a way to win some games over the stretch. These are games you can't lose. You're playing Orlando for the third time. You haven't beat Orlando yet. You're 0-2 against Orlando. They're a tough team. Match up well against you. You were still without these injuries. That's going to be you're still without your players. It's going to be for a long time. You come out of the break against Philadelphia, who's dealing with their own injuries, yes. But you come out of the break dealing with Philadelphia and Boston. Schedule's going to be tough. And then you go on the West Coast the middle of the middle of March, and hopefully, maybe, just maybe, Ananobi will be ready for that West Coast run. But, I mean, it's going to be a while. And these are the kind of games, these gritty games where you're in it and you battle back and you get the game tied and you send it to overtime with all the momentum, you can't have that game snuffed from you. This is a big-time game, and that is a big-time bad call, and that is a heartbreaking loss for the Knicks, who played you know, cool afterwards. You know, Brunson, uh, Brunson who's, who was pissed on the court after the game, in the postgame just said, great call, next question. That's verbatim what he said when asked multiple times about the call. Great call, great question. next question. He had no interest. Tibbs sort of downplayed it too a little bit in the postgame. That's what happens. You saw it. He won't say it's a bad call himself. You saw it. You know how it goes. 
But what I saw was a Nick team desperate for a victory who needs to stack them up right now without their guys have one taken away from them. 877-337-6666. The other major talking point of the show has been David Stearns, president of baseball operations for the Mets, making yet one more comment about Pete Alonso, and I would imagine this is the last one. He is not being re-signed. Uh, excuse me. He's not having an extension. This is going to go to free agency. You kind of had a feeling once he signed Scott Boris to be his agent that that was going to be the case. And it seems like Evan's never going to get the shave because Pete Alonso is going to free agency. And my opinion is great. That's exactly how the Mets should handle this. I hear a lot of people talk about how much money the owner has and how that means why not give him the extension? Take out the, whatever he asked for. Just give it to him. I disagree. I love the idea, and I guess I'm being maybe a, a Yankee fan with recent bias Um, With, I think it's recency bias. That's better. Um, with a little bit of recency bias, watching Judge perform the way he did with a chip on his shoulder on a contract year to stick it to the Yankees. He stayed healthy. He had 62 home runs, and it was the greatest offensive season we've ever seen. And if and if I'm anything, I, I think that had a lot to do with it. And if I'm the Mets, I think it's a perfect win-win situation. Maybe he's annoyed. Maybe he expected more from the Mets. It's a new regime now at Stearns. Whatever the case may be, dangle that carrot of a big contract in front of him all year long. Because quite honestly, with the fact that now Solaire has signed with the San Francisco Giants and you're going to be relying so much on young talent in the middle of that lineup, the back-end middle of that lineup, and the idea that really J.D. Martinez is the one DH left you're looking to, I would still be looking to add, doesn't sound like the Mets are that interested in this lineup this year at all. But while you're dealing with that, if you want to win, if you want to be the team that Stern still tells you they believe can contend, Pete Alonso better have one freaking year. He better have one hell of a season. And if that's going to be the case, why not dangle that carrot? Go out there, maybe with a chip on your shoulder, pissed off, looking to prove exactly who you are and why you're worth what you're asking. And then when he does it in free agency, pay the man. He's the richest owner in baseball. Pay the man. Give him the contract. Let him test the free agent market. Who's going to outbid them? The Dodgers have Freddie Freeman. It's not going to be the Dodgers. The Yankees are too worried about signing uh, Juan Soto. I don't, I, someone will probably step up and offer him big-time money, but you can match it. Give him, the, give him the, uh, the, the reason to have the big year and then pay the man. That's how rich teams handle things. Right? That's how – this is exactly how the Mets should handle business. Learn from Brian Cashman and don't necessarily give out what you offered him. Now, I don't think Pete's going to give some sort of ultimatum uh, for opening day and it's going to play out exactly the same, but talk nice about him. Tell him how great he is. Tell him how much you want him. Don't pay him. Wait for the either end. Hopefully he hits 50 home runs, drives in 130, leads your team to the NLCS, and then you pay him in the offseason. That's exactly how the Mets should operate this. They are not the Kansas City Royals. They don't have to give Bobby Witt a long-term extension. They're not the San Diego Padres who try to give Fernando Tatis a long-term extension. You do not have to do it. You don't have to be the Atlanta Braves. It makes sense for them. It's worked for them. No doubt. It's not the only way to go about business. And when you're the richest owner, I don't look at it as, hey, pay him now. Why not? I look at it as wait it out and then pay him what he's worth. What if he has a miserable season? 
God forbid, last thing I'm rooting for. But what if he goes down? What if he, you know, what if he tears a calf muscle? What if he misses, you know, 70% of the season? Now you just saved yourself a ton of money. Nothing wrong with waiting, especially when you have billions of dollars in your wallet. 877-337-6666. We didn't get a chance. I know Bruce wants to talk about him. We'll take Bruce right here. We didn't get a chance to talk about the Rangers that much yet. Rangers win their fifth in a row. And the much maligned Igor Shosturkin has won back-to-back games, including last night's shutout of the Calgary Flames in what was desperately needed for him. He desperately needed just a, a kind of performance. Now, I didn't get a chance to watch the entire game. Uh, I had to drive in. I was watching the Knicks. I'm bouncing around a little bit. He did make, I believe, 30 saves. I don't know if um, you know how great they were, how much pressure was on them. But, hey, 30 saves is 30 saves. A shutout is a shutout. He needs to build some confidence. He's won back-to-back games between the pipes after sitting out for three and letting Quick take over. It sounds, it feels like and sounds like that idea of playing Quick for an extended period of time is over. Igor's back in net. They've won two games, five in a row overall, stabling their season a little bit, winning a game without having to score a power play goal, which has been huge for this team because their power play has kind of gone in the crapper a little bit, and for a while it felt like if they don't score power play goals, they don't win. So the idea they were able to get a, even if it's only two goals, they get two goals, they get the excellent goaltending from Igor, and hopefully this can build on itself, and we don't have to worry about quick playing ever again. He could just be a normal backup who's done an excellent job for them, and we don't have to focus on the idea that something's wrong with Igor. Isn't that right, Bruce? Igor had an Igor-type game yesterday. Good. He made some glove saves that you... That was typical Igor. Yeah, I mean, you are talking about arguably the best goalie in the league when he's on his game. He was two years ago. He can be again. He's got to figure out how to do it consistently. Yeah, and also, to give you a heads up. Oh, please do. um, According to a couple of websites, Mm -hmm. Rangers are working on a major trade. um, And even Stan Fischler had it in his column. Really? Yes. And what's the? Uh, do you have any just just the idea? It's a major trade, or do you have names? I don't have names. Uh-huh. I would I would think uh, uh, Keiko is involved, but I'm not. They mm. haven't said that. I mean, Fischler doesn't want to trade him, but if you look at Blue Line Station and so on, it supposedly that this is this big secret around the NHL that everybody seems to know about this. So. Look for Cap and maybe the next day or two. Uh, okay. I mean, listen, if they're going to trade Capo, you're, if they're going to trade Capo Caco, I do think, well, first of all, I mean, how do you trade such a fun name to say? Capo Caco. Um, if they're going to trade Capo Caco, then it's got to be a, a trade of significance. That's, I don't know if, I mean, look, he's under, he's, he's underachieved. Uh, Lafoniere has stepped up this year. Uh, he's actually, if you've watched Lafayette play, he's got he's, his goals have jumped up from the beginning of the year. He also has had a bunch of really, I mean, he had a he had a um, a goal the other night. He made a great move, and the, it was a, a terrific glove save made against, save made against him. He's 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 actually had bad luck and still had one of his more productive seasons. So hopefully he's starting to turn the corner. He's not done what Jack Hughes has done as a number one overall pick necessarily, uh, but at least he's rounding into form. Capocacco has dealt with injuries this year. Uh, but hasn't been nearly as productive uh, productive as you would like from a second overall pick. But still, to include him, yeah, that seems more than just adding a third or fourth line center 
and helping with the depth of this team, which they desperately need. The production from the third and fourth lines have really been down, uh, and it's been they've been a top line heavy team. Uh, hopefully, the goaltending is there, and then the power play has been dynamic. I mean, that's really how they built that that early, you know, amazing record was scoring a ton of power play goals and Panarin going off. Uh, Panarin's cooled off a little bit, but still a phenomenal player. Um, Zabanajad really hasn't, you know, had his big hasn't had a big scoring year necessarily, but. You know, he's still a dangerous player, and Kreider does what he does in front of the net mainly, but the power play has been really, really good. And as long as it's really, really good and they have great goaltending, they can win. But the problem is, come playoff time, what scares me is power play goes comes and goes. And if they go through a stretch where the power, where the power play isn't scoring them goals and really isn't, you know, changing the game for them, right now, five on five, they just, it hasn't been there. And if Igor's shaky at all, then now I'm scared about a postseason series against anyone. I don't care who it is. So they need to get some depth. I, I If you're talking about a major trade with Capo Caco in it, maybe you're, you're talking about adding someone of real significance. That'd be that'd be nice. I uh, I haven't heard any that there. Are, I haven't heard there's a lot of big name options out there. But I'll look into it. I'll check out the websites. I'll check out Stan Fischler. I'll read a little bit about the New York City subway system. And I'll read a little bit about hockey. I'm I'm cool with that. 877-337-6666. Stan Fisher. A, a huge, huge early, you know, turn of the century subway aficionado. Who knew? Chargers and the New York Giants have exchanged their draft picks. When this happened, you talked about it on the oh, phone. Eli Manning and Philip Rivers. When New York sports happens, that. talk about it here. The, the Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Uh, one thing we didn't get, speaking of quarterbacks, as I said there, is, oh, remember when the Giants drafted your heartache? That's one. I just can't not sing that one for whatever reason. Uh, I did, you know, quarterbacks as Eli Manning, you know, when they drafted Eli Manning, or really, you know, drafted Phillip Rivers and traded for Eli Manning and, you know, led to Super Bowls. Sure wish they would do that again. Let's try that again. But speaking of quarterbacks, Mitch Trubisky, out. In Pittsburgh, they made a couple of cuts. They traded, they uh, cut a lineman, they cut their bun, uh, cut a punter. They saved thirteen million dollars on the salary cap. But now, with Mason Rudolph uh, set to hit free agency, uh, Kenny Pickett is the only quarterback left in Pittsburgh. Makes you wonder what they're thinking. But also, Mitch Trubisky hits the market. Woody says they need a backup quarterback. Mitch Trubisky, do it for you. What do you think, Jet fans? You into it? Giant fans, you want to bring him in instead of, uh, you know, first, hopefully it's going to be a draft pick as your, as a backup. Tommy Cutlets. And even if you don't draft a quarterback, you need a legitimate backup with Daniel Jones because why? One, I'm not sure he'll be ready for the season. And two, he gets hurt all the time. You guessed it. That's right. He's always injured. So you need a legitimate backup for Daniel Jones. Does Mitch Trubisky make his way to New York? Because you got to put someone behind Aaron Rodgers in case he gets injured again. And you needed to be a legitimate quarterback, unlike last year. Like Woody Johnson told you. If only they listened to Woody around there, everything would be so much better. Woody knew they didn't have an they didn't have a backup quarterback. He knew it the whole time. He also knew exactly when to drop that tweet about the the uniforms. That was perfect. I mean, that's when 
just at that moment of complete sadness where you're watching McCall Hardman, who you casted away because you couldn't figure out a way to use him, is scoring a game-winning touchdown that apparently he was uneven, He was even unaware it was a game-winning touchdown. Just at that moment, you, you drop one of your famous Woody Johnson uniform tweets. Perfect. Perfecto. But I could see, listen, Mitch Trubisky's had his moments. It wouldn't be my idea for a backup quarterback. For the Giants, I think it makes sense on some level. He's got experience. You know, if if Daniel Jones goes down, they're screwed anyway, and they're probably better off losing for draft picks again, playing that whole game again without a young quarterback. And then if they do have the young quarterback, then it really doesn't matter. you got someone in fairly young, connect with him, also has experience. Wouldn't be the end of the world, but he's no longer a stealer. But I, if I'm the Jets, I'm looking for better. I'm looking for Brissett. Maybe uh, Fleegelman thinks ta- you know Tannehill might be. you got to look for someone who's going to come into the job knowing they really – I mean, I guess Aaron Rodgers is getting hurt, but they really have no chance to be the starting quarterback. It's, they're not coming into a competition. They're coming to be the backup. Pat in the Bronx. What's up, Pat? Good morning, Chris. Good morning, sir. How are we doing? What do we got morning, today? Good morning, Gah. Good morning, Gah. Good morning, good morning, Gah. Good morning, Gah. <laughs> Nothing to do to sing. Yeah, sing it out, man. Got a great voice, but like you said, you need the disc playing, so do I. Okay. Yeah, so, um, Alonzo, quickly. Yes. Um, there are two possibilities that I see. The Mets can be doing excellently, and Alonzo can be clicking, and they're cooperating together, uh-huh. or the Mets can be doing great, maybe four possibilities, and Alonzo is not doing well, or the Mets can be doing badly, in which case it's a moot point, but we have no leverage now, since we have an over an extension, mm-hmm. so the question is, hypothetically, could we do an Aroldis Chapman with Pete, and would he come back the following yeah, year? Yeah, I mean, I... <sighs> no, it's highly unlikely, I mean, it's... It's not impossible, I suppose, but it's highly unlikely. I, I Once you trade them, that's probably it. I do not foresee them being able to pull that off. I mean, with a reliever for one year, maybe it, it, it made a little sense. It's still highly unusual. I can't imagine Pete would be into that. I, I, I just, you know, is it possible? I guess. And I don't know what you mean by leverage. They don't have any leverage. You have the same leverage in free agency. It is what it is. He's gonna he's gonna get to the market. He's gonna find out what his market is. You're gonna pay him his market value. That's it. That's it. Eddie and Rockman, what's up, Eddie? Hey, Chris. There are a couple things for you. I'm First, sure you do. Overtime, I, heard, I heard the overtime rule. Uh, what did it? What were they saying that they wouldn't have kicked off, or they would have went for it on the touchdown? What What, <clears throat> what are they saying they would have uh, would have done if they would have known? Who's they? That they say the players or whoever didn't know what the rules yes. are. There's only two decisions: kicking it off or going for that touchdown. Yeah, there's only thing. Uh, no, I, I think the players just were the players just didn't know the rules. It wasn't like you know the coach knows the rules. And I said I think it's a little overblown. Uh, that the I don't know if the players need to roll know the rules necessarily. Not they need to roll the they need to know the rules on the that's field. That's why. That's why. Really, that's why you kick off so you can just match it. You know. Yeah, I agree. Exactly. I, I I a couple reasons why I would kick off. I do think it's at least a somewhat of a discussion. I think the idea that Shanahan's a fool and an idiot and he cost his team the Super Bowl because of that decision to kick to receive the kick. I don't no. agree with. I think it is debatable. 
I disagree with him. I would have kicked it for the very reason of two things. Uh, mainly, I don't want to give Patrick Mahomes two different things. I don't want to give Patrick Mahomes the ability to win the game with a touchdown, and I don't like giving Patrick Mahomes the ability to have fourth down. I don't want him to know, know he has a score, be willing, having to go for it on fourth down. If I give it to him first and he gets a third and three, maybe a fourth and three, maybe he kicks it because he doesn't, you know, they don't want to, you know, leave good field position for the Niners to win the game. But when he has to score, he's given an extra play and he's just too damn good. And the idea that I could put him in a situation where putting the ball in the end zone wins the game, and like the first time he touches it, scoring a touchdown wins it. I don't want to do that. So those are the two reasons right. why I. Personally, I kick it to Patrick Mahomes, but I do see right. some reasons why you would take it. Like I don't think it's such a horrible well, decision. There's an automatic. No, it used to be if you scored seven, the game was over. Correct. Now the, the team gets automatically the ball. Correct. But so the, if you I get mean, automatically the ball. I want it left. I want to know what I want. I, I have to do to get the job done. I agree with you, but there is the idea. Then you know, I know most people think that they go for two, so it's a moot point. But in in I, there's a possibility they don't. So if there's ever a third possession. If if I take the ball first, I score. Then they score. Now I get the ball in sudden death. And uh, right, here's my my but, second question. And, and then also, if you want to just go down there and and score the touchdown and and make Patrick Mahomes do the same, you know, I don't know. There's some value to being first and making the statement of okay, now you got a match. But I, I agree with you. Ultimately, I agree with you. I would have kicked it. There you go, Chris. Oh, and I heard you say Mitch Trubisky. You know, four months ago, you laughed me off the radio when I brought up his name. But I don't want yeah, to I, say nothing. I, I, no, I, I like you, Chris. I, well, I, I, I thought I pretty much did that with tongue-in-cheek there. So I got, I, I, I was laying the sarcasm down I, pretty you don't, thick. You don't, you don't think I know when you, who, who drops little bombs in front of me, Chris? I'm a football player like you. So uh-huh. uh, Wait, number two, top three concerts and top three sporting events that you've been to. <clears throat> Top three concerts and top three sporting events that I've been to. Um, sporting events, like my personal favorite, I was my my personal favorite was one two thousand and nine game two, Yankees Twins. A Rod hits the the game tying two run home run to share hits the bullet down the line walk off. Uh, I went with Francesa, Eddie Erickson, and Sal, and then it was me and Lakata. Uh, uh, finishing out the game, and it was just cool. You know, I was just, I guess not just, I started working in 2007, but, you know, Mike invited me to the game and everything, so that was pretty cool. Um, so that's that's up there. I've been to a ton of, um, when I was young, I was at the, the clincher, the 98 ALCS, so that's probably two. Um, I really don't have that many. I've never been to a World Series game, believe it or not. I've never, I never, I never went to any of the World Series games. Uh, I worked for the Giants for so long. I never really went to any of their games. I was always working uh, from the building I was at. I was at the game that um, I was at the game that uh, the one that uh, oh, that Beckham made the one-handed catch. I was working that game at the at the stadium. I don't know if that counts. I was working the game, not necessarily there. Um. Yeah, that's really about it. And then, oh, well, I mean, I've been to so many Ranger playoff games. I was at the the Ranger clincher to send them to the Stanley Cup Finals. Stepan scores the goal. That was a good one. I've been to I've been to more Ranger playoff games than any other team by far because we had the we used to back in the day. You know, we were allowed. We had press credentials, and I went to all those. I went to all those 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 playoff games at Madison Square Garden. I mean, they just had every series went seven. We, we you went to at least two games a series every single, and I, I was at all of them. Me and Monzo used to go to every one of them. 
back before I was before I had kids and I could just do whatever I wanted. I was at all those playoff games. So yeah, I guess Stan, uh, clinching the Eastern Conference Finals and heading to the Stanley Cup. Uh, the Alex Rodriguez home run in 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 2009 to beat the Twins, and then a toss between because I was I was young and I, I vaguely I don't know I don't have a great memory of 1998. I was old enough. I'm 15 years old. I don't remember the game that well, but I was in the bleachers for the clincher in '98 to to go to the World Series, beating Cleveland, and then the. My favorite moment might be the Didi Gregorius three-run home run in the wild card game against Minnesota where they where Severino gave up the runs early, the three runs in the first inning. Chad Green comes in, strikes out the side, gets them out of danger, and then in the bottom of the first, Didi hits that three-run home run. The place went absolutely nuts, and then they went on to beat the Twins. So those are – and then concerts are going to be all Paul McCartney. I'm a weirdo. What can I tell you? 877-3 Paul McCartney Yankee Stadium, Paul McCartney Madison Square Garden, Paul McCartney City Field. Uh, my first ever concert was Bon Jovi at, at – Jones Beach, so that's always a personal favorite. Not a big concert guy either. Now ask me my favorite steakhouse or my favorite night out drinking. I have many more stories for you. And it takes the knee of the New York Giants are the Super Bowl 42 champions. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. They knock off the mighty Patriots 17 to 14. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. McMonagle here with the 877-337-6666. You know, I mentioned Barstool, and we t- I talked about it, I guess it was a week, two weeks ago, maybe even more than that. But uh, Jerry, I forget his name. Uh, one of the guys there, Jerry, he's the Steelers fan who made that famous video of him going absolutely nuts after a Steelers loss, and he's working at Barstool now. Something Jerry. I forget what it is. But he had this thing where he was trying to get a hole-in-one on the simulator. And I talked about how it's just sometimes Barstool taps into these just pure, like, instinctual, like, stuff that I've always been, like, you know, like I mentioned, just trying to do something over and over again. And I brought up the story about how one time me and my buddies had a place out in Montauk and we spent the entire night just drinking BS and while we were trying to get a ping pong ball right through, don't have a dirty mind, a ping pong ball right through like a, a just a sliding door open just enough where it's the width of a ping pong ball because we were playing beer pong and accidentally one rolled off the table and rolled right out the door and it was opened by like this much. And we spent the rest of the night just trying to put that ping pong ball through the table, through the door. And so, like, that's the kind of thing where like, you spend all day, I'm going to get a hole in one, you watch it, and somehow you you end up, next thing you, know, you spend 15 minutes watching this idiot, and I don't mean to call Jerry idiot, but you know what I'm saying. Like, you watch this guy just swinging at a, swinging a golf club trying to get a hole in one, and you find you're infatuated with it. Now they've, 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 they're doing this again where they're trying to hit the entire team of bar stools. I guess they're not going to leave the gym until they do it. I guess the world record for most consecutive free throws in an NBA, you know, from an NBA player is 41. So they're in the gym right now trying to hit 41 consecutive free throws between all of them. And I think they've been doing it for quite a long time and they've been unable to do it. I don't know if I don't know how many times you can go back to this well, but I have to admit this is the kind of thing like I could see me and my buddies, you know, back when we were able to get together and had friends bef- and did things with our friends before we had families, but like I could see us spending a Saturday just, you know, drinking and trying to hit 41 straight free throws. Like, that's the that's the kind of thing that sometimes Barstool tap into that. You go, this is the dumbest thing ever. And you go, I would do this all day long. 
I would absolutely be the kind of guy who him and his buddies are like, let's let's see if we can break the re- the NBA record of most consecutive free throws. So I was just during the break, I was watching a little bit. They got up to like thirty eight or something, or thirty seven, and then they they missed. Brutal. Sam and Hackensack, what's up, Sam? You're on the fan. Hey, Chris, love the show. Who was oh, your favorite you. baseball player as a kid? All right. Well, my first favorite, like I grew up. My, and again, if you, if you hear enough of me, you'll learn a lot of my stuff, a lot of my passions, a lot of my favorites come from my father. Um, Yank, Yank, all the teams I root for, Lord of the Rings, uh, the Beatles, all of it. So a lot of my passions are about my dad. So I, he grew up a third baseman, you know, talking about playing third base. So when I first started to really become a Yankee fan, Wade Boggs was the third baseman of the Yankees. So okay. my, first, my first real love was Don Mattingly, but even more so, I grew up loving Wade Boggs. Did you mimic his batting stance? Like- a, li- a little bit, a little bit. I mean, obviously, he was left-handed. I was not. Um, I, I didn't crouch down nearly as much. A little bit, but not not really. No, no. Okay. I didn't. But then, I, but, I mean, but then when the Yankees were the Yankees, it's hard not to say Derek Jeter, right? I mean, I love Bernie Williams. I loved Paul O'Neill. But how do you know? I mean, I, when 96, the rookie who took the world by storm, I mean, it was hard not to be a Jeter guy. But my first real true guy that I loved, I went out and got a Wade Boggs Baseball glove, like I loved Wade Boggs. Yeah, but, but okay. I don't know if he's my favorite of all time now. But why? I'm, I'm assuming I know. You know, many people. You know, I know my father was a huge Mickey Mantle guy, and he would talk. Everyone would you know mimic their Mickey Mantle swing and do everything. Are you an old school baseball fan who mimics swings? I'm 67. My yeah. favorite player was Frank Robinson. Right. And I, I spent too much time mimicking his batting stance. And I remember my first year in Little League. Yeah. The coach basically told me if I crouch over the plate like this, I'm going to get killed. Right. <laughs> and that, like, you know, like, yeah but, yeah, but that's like what he does. Yeah, but you're not Frank Robinson, you know. No, I, 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 I understand that, Sam. And I appreciate the phone call. Although, and I don't want Sam, I love you. Please call back. But you did, you did something of mine that's a pet peeve. You did something that kind of annoys me, that when people do it. Again, I'm not trying to get on your call back, please. But you did something that kind of... Is one of my pet peeves. You asked me a question that you had really no interest in my answer to that question. You asked you asked me a question as a doorway so you could answer the question. Just if you want to talk about how much you love Frank Robinson as a kid, you love you don't have to ask me my favorite player and then if I ever mimic a stance, just so you could tell your story about how you mimic. Your favorite player stance. Just, I mean, it's 4.50 in the morning. The show's going to end. By all means, call, call me and say, I love baseball as a kid. I used to mimic everyone's stance. That's fine. Don't try and patronize me with the question of, hey, who was your favorite player? Did you ever? Because I know, and I asked you because it's 4.50 in the morning, and I'm not going to play hardball with you. But I, I asked you, so I set you up for it. But, like, don't do that. Just come out and say it. Don't be, I hate, I, I have a buddy, I'm not going to name who, Chris, um, you know who you are, buddy, who will bring up things, and you know, it's completely out of the blue, it's a question, I'm just like, what? Like, and he'll talk about it, and you know, he is chomping at the bit for you to stop talking, so that he can tell his version of what he just asked you. Like, oh man, you know, did you ever, when was the last time you went to the the the, the food mo- the food court at the mall? I'm like, what? I don't know. 
Well, because there was the free sample, but and like I'm just just tell me. Oh, listen, I got this free sample somewhere. It was disgusting or whatever. Like I don't know. Like don't ask me the question to to make it seem like that I'm somehow in the conversation. You just wanted to tell me you like baseball stances. Just come on and give it to me. Don't try and make it seem like you want to know mine. You don't care. You don't care. You don't care about me. You don't really want to know who I loved and who I mimicked. You just wanted to tell me how much you love Frank Robinson. And they told you if you crowded the plate like that, you'd get killed. You're dying to tell me that. Just call and tell me. That is a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> Mainly because I have a friend who does it all the time. And I'm like, yep, here we go. I know it. Here it comes. No, uh, no, Chris. I, I don't have any experience, uh, you know, with uh, blanching broccoli, Rob. I, ha- I haven't done it yet. No. Why? Did you have cook today? Oh, amazing. You did. And you blanched it first. No kidding. Um, and it worked out for you? Great. Would you? Oh, yeah, a little hot pepper, red pepper. Sure, sure, sure. I like broccoli, Rob, or red pepper. Yep. Just tell me you made broccoli, Rob. That's the kind of thing that drives me nuts. Little question from Little Four Big. Uh, little Four Big. Okay. Do you think we'll re-sign Rizzo? If not, give me your thoughts. Well, I thought I had more time than I did. No, I don't think they'll re-sign Rizzo. I think they'll re-sign Soto, and they'll go cheap at first base. And they'll go cheap at shortstop with Volpe. They'll go cheap in center field with the Martian. They'll go cheap at catcher with Wells, and they'll probably go cheap at first base and find some journeyman or someone from within the organization. I wouldn't expect a big-time free agent signing at first base considering how much money they have in Stanton and how much money they have in every other player on the team except the ones I mentioned. There you go. One final question on Yankee Hot Stove as we finish a five-hour midnight ride. Everybody have a great day. Fliegelman, thank you. Thank you guys for calling. Thank you guys for listening. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. The warm-up show comes next. I'm going to try and get home. Everybody be safe out there. I'm out of here. Sports Radio 101.9 FM.